Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. College basketball dream preview. Martin Luther King Day edition. There are no government holidays here at pregame. We will be discussing the biggest college basketball games of the week. Tuesday and Wednesday action here as we cover the biggest games of the week. We're also going to talk a little Big Ten action. But first, before we get to all the games, let me first introduce my co-host. He is the one, the only, Mr. A.J. Hoffman. A.J., how you doing? Doing all right, man. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So, obviously, we have best bets coming your way, not only from myself and A.J., but also Dave Esler, Sleepy J. McKenzie's got an NBA best bet coming your way. But we always like to recap how our best bets did from the previous podcast. And I'll let AJ start the way. How'd your best bet do? Uh, not so well. Uh, but we did have, so since our last pod, we've had two of my best bets go off. And Gonzaga won by 50. So I we get, at least let's yep. take some of that. Throw a little bit of grain of salt on the fact that uh, Illinois and Northwestern busted the under and I mean, listen. This is a. It was one of those situations where Illinois wasn't. Made, they hadn't made threes all season long, and they made nine in the game. Northwestern, I think, made eight in the game. So, uh, Northwestern shot way better than they have over the course of the season. So it was just one of those games, uh, and we still actually ended up being pretty close, five or six points. So, uh, could have been worse. But you know, uh, one and one, I'll I'll take. But we're we're trying. We're we're aiming for perfection. It's not going to happen, but that's what we aim for. And as far as my best bet, I, a little clarity, and I'm going to try to be a lot more clear when it comes to what numbers to buy. I'll just say general rule of thumb on a side play because my best bet was Michigan State. We projected the line to be six. The line came open seven and a half, got bet up to nine and a half. Certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have been a best bet at nine and a half, uh, more like a lean at that number. So rule of thumb for me moving forward, whatever line we project, if it's a best bet for me, I like it an additional one and a half to two points above that number. And I'll make sure I'm much more clear because did get a lot of tweets on Friday about that one being on Michigan State. So that's even though it was a winner and any number you got, that's kind of an asterisk uh, for me as far as a best bet. Uh, Dave Esler continues to be on fire. He has not lost. Killing it. Yeah, hasn't lost a best bet yet right here on the Dream Preview. He is a perfect 5-0. and oh. And without further ado, as we recap uh, last week, let's move ahead to this week. Showtime! Woo! And before we hit those games, do want to talk about a conference that's getting a lot of publicity, and deservedly so, not necessarily because they got a bunch of elite teams, but the parity in the league, and that league being the Big Ten. You want to dive into a, a, this a little further uh, today, AJ, and we're talking the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, I, I saw an article last week. I wish I could uh, quote who wrote it, but um, it, the guy was saying basically that he thinks 12 teams from the Big Ten are going to make the tournament, which would be obviously uh, unprecedented. And 
I, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, on on a if that's good for the sport if we've got twelve teams from one conference in a tournament. Uh, B if you know if you think that twelve is is even feasible. Uh, and then I, I guess also if 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 not, who are the ones that you could see falling off? Yeah, so I did a little bit of research into this. Uh, the record being eleven teams. Uh, Big East did it back in twenty eleven when they were stacked. When when you know Syracuse and Louisville were still in the Big East before they they jumped to the ACC, and you still had teams like like uh, Marquette in in the mix there. Uh, Notre Dame was still in that league. So uh, the record being eleven, twelve would be unprecedented. We've seen the ACC get nine, but that's out of out of 15 teams, we're talking 12 out of 14 here for the Big Ten if it's possible. Joe Lunardi uh, agrees with it because in his latest uh, bracket projection, whether you like him or not, I mean, he's got 12 Big Ten teams in there. And only two of the uh, the teams being double-digit seeds, uh, Purdue and, and Minnesota being the two teams at, at the 10 or worst line. I, I don't think it's going to happen because I think they're going to cannibalize one another. I looked at the, the recent, you know, Kempom projections, and he does have 12 of the 14 teams, at least with a 500 record. I think that's the starting point. As long as these teams have at least a 500 record, then they got a good shot. They have a losing conference record, that then I, I, I necessarily don't like their chances. But I don't know. It's a weird year. I mean, we talk about parity in the Big Ten, AJ. But there's parity. There are no elite teams across the country. I mean, we just got Baylor jumping Gonzaga to be the, the AP number one team. That, that's now seven different AP number one teams already. That's the most in, in about 40 years already at this time of the year. So I, I would say I'd, I normally would have a problem with it. But, I mean, what, what are the other conferences uh, that are willing to step up here? At least give the Big Ten credit, AJ. They're playing 20, 20 conference games. So that's certainly going to uh, help their, their resumes and their strength of schedules. Yeah, it, it's one of those years where I think, you know, if you look at who who are going to be the first four out and things like that? Some of the some of the teams I've seen listed as first four out are like Texas and Tennessee. I don't have any problem with with extra Big Ten teams getting over those guys. Uh, it does seem like this is a year where maybe you could pull an extra Atlantic Ten team. Maybe you could pull an extra team from some of these. Uh, maybe not you know the low major uh, conferences, but some of these that are that are pretty close. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if if there's another conference bid outside of Gonzaga, but you know, maybe BYU as a team you could look at. So there's there's some of these conferences that I think maybe could get some more representation in a year like this where there is so much parity. But it is odd to talk about how wide open it is. Yet one conference has you know tw- could possibly have 12 of the 68 bids. That does seem kind of wild. Yeah, and all 12 right now currently uh, power rating the top 40 of Kempom. So. I mean, statistically speaking, they're there. But, uh, I mean, let's just look at it. In Minnesota right now, it's 10-8. and eight. I mean, is that going to cut it when, when it's all said and done? I mean, overall, they're 10-8 and eight right now. Purdue, a, a team that I know you think has been overrated all season. I, I mean, right now, 10-8. and eight, I just, I mean, I know they played a really strong schedule. I just think sooner or later, uh, when, when you add it up and these teams have 12, 13, 14 losses, I'm not sure that they'll necessarily make it along. Right now, it looks good as far as a statistical profile, but you know, and give it credit, it's mainly because of Michigan State's not as good as what we anticipated, and teams like Rutgers, Illinois, have really exceeded expectations. I can tell you one thing: Big Ten conference tournament is going to be pretty fun and pretty wide Yo, open. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're looking from an action standpoint, uh, 
I think that might be the one tournament where you can bet on a long shot and actually feel pretty comfortable. Uh, and one other thing I think that plays into this, we've been wondering why when the rest of the country and home court advantage has kind of dwindled over the last 15 years, it's been super strong in the Big Ten this year. And here's my theory is you don't have that elite team or, or you know two or three really, really good teams that can you know go on the road, handle the road atmosphere, and overcome it. You just got a lot of decent to good teams in the Big Ten, and the reality is uh, when, when the teams are relatively even, home court uh, is going to swing and make the difference. So if you're wondering why the Big Ten home teams have been so good in conference play, that might be one reason. You just don't have an elite team that can overcome it. Well, I, th- I think what's going to be the the deciding factor for some of these teams that are near the bottom of that that 12 that there's projected uh, for teams like Minnesota and Purdue, they're going to have to win some games away from home. Minnesota yeah. doesn't have a non-home win yet. Um, they Well, they won, they won a neutral game against Oklahoma State, but they don't have a conference home win or a road win, and they didn't have a, a true road win in non-conference play either. So if they go the whole season and, and they've got one or two wins off of their home floor, I, I don't know how much of a, of a – you know, a case you can make for a team like that, no matter how good the conference is or how balanced the conference is, because at some point you've got to prove that you can win in a gym other than your own. And and that's, you know, I, that's why I think the Big Ten tournament, if, if some of these teams that are very close, if they go out in the first round of that Big Ten tournament, it's going to be really easy to say, you know what, there's just no reason to put this team in. Mm, good point. That's A.J. Hoffman. I'm Brad Powers. This is the College Basketball Dream Preview. All right, we'd like to, to you know discuss uh, you know a topic every now and then to, to start off the the show. But you know I know why you guys are listening here. It's because you want games, you want picks, and, and let's start it off with a pick. And it's actually going to be from Sleepy Jay, who you guys love his totals plays, and he's going off the, the sheet here as far as his favorite total for the next couple of days. He's going to the MAC conference. I know it well. He's going to a school that I know well. I graduated from it. Eastern Michigan at Bowling Green, Sleepy's total of the week. All right, guys, my best bet total for the week will involve old Brad Powers, alma mater, Bowling Green. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the over here, over the total at 133 and a half. I play this one up to around 135. I like what I see from the home team here, Bowling Green, as far as pace is concerned. Bowling Green, 123 in the nation in that area. That's above average. Eastern Michigan, slightly slower team. Not all that bad, right around 205 in pace in the nation. But I do expect the home team, Bowling Green, to control the pace here and the slower road team in Eastern Michigan to follow suit on the road here, as we usually see when we talk about pace. Eastern Michigan defensive stat guys, they are about as fraud as fraud can be. On paper, this totals right at around 133.5, but they don't play the game on paper, guys. Eastern Michigan has played some terrible offensive teams this entire year, and they held some teams that we've never even heard of to under 60 points a bunch of times this season. That really hurts a team's overall points per game defensive average. Eastern Michigan has played around 10 bottom feeder teams in offense, not to mention playing teams like Siena Heights, Goson College, Michigan Dearborn, Concordia, just playing some bad offensive teams, and playing some bad offensive teams makes your defense look elite. Eastern Michigan is far from average, so the number is wrong to start with. Eastern Michigan, they do excel in steals, but Bowling Green is elite at not turning the ball over. So I think Eastern Michigan, they get taken a little bit out of the style that they like to play. And I think that helps us here because Bowling Green is a faster paced team. I think what we'll see tonight, both teams will be at the free throw line a ton. Both teams, they draw a bunch of fouls. 
both teams' three-point defense. It stinks. So I feel pretty good at the three-point line, the free-throw line, and from the inside. I think we get a lot of buckets from all over, and Bowling Green controls the pace. Eastern Michigan defensive points per game season average is throwing this entire total all off, guys. Bowling Green is one of the best offenses that Eastern Michigan will have seen this season. The last time Eastern Michigan played an offense that can score like Bowling Green, that was against Michigan State. Eastern Michigan gave up 101 points in that game. So guys, my total best bet for this week, Eastern Michigan, Bowling Green, over the total, 133.5. I'd play this one up to around 135, 135.5. All right, that's Sleepy J with a total on Eastern Michigan, Bowling Green. Let's get to a big game here, and I think this pretty much sums up you know, how much parity there is in college basketball because I'm not sure that in any other season, at least in the last 10 years, you would have Villanova ranked number nine, at least this year's Villanova team. But because there's a, you know, a lack of elite teams, here we go. Number 13, Butler, at number nine, Villanova. This one's on Tuesday night, tips at 7 o'clock on CBS College. We'll call Villanova a slight favorite here. Just uh, looking at the, the you know the, the adjusted Kempom Sagarin rankings, it'll be tight. Villanova a slight favorite, one and a half total, one thirty one. Where are you going at this one, AJ? Yeah, just a lean Villanova for me, uh, and, and mostly a lot of it is is series domination. Nova four and zero straight up against the spread in their last four meetings. Average wins been by twelve points per game, and Butler's lost back to back games for the first time this season, and I don't know what. Of the, which one of those losses was more disturbing? They blew a double-digit lead in the second half to Seton Hall or trailing wire-to-wire at DePaul. They're both pretty bad, though. So Butler, who was a darling a week ago, has two really bad data points now all of a sudden. They're the third-best scoring defense in the country, though. They, they gave up 78.5 points per game in the Hall and DePaul losses. 48 in the second half versus Seton Hall, 44 in the first half versus DePaul. So in those, those the second half of the first game, first half of the second game, that 40-minute span, they give up 92 points. So I don't know what's going on with that defense, but it's not clearly not what it was you know, even a few weeks ago. Nova won 10 of their last 11. The, the one loss is Marquette. Uh, and they haven't lost a Big East home game since February of 2018. Uh, Butler's played three straight overs. The under's 8-3 and three during that Villanova run. I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning to another under because I assume Butler is going to over this break is going to really emphasize their defense and try not to let it get out of hand again, but not a game I'm willing to play right now, at least far as the under because of what's going on with the, uh, the Butler defense of late. So I'm going to lean with Villanova and, and lean to the under as well. You know what? I'm leaning to the under, but we all remember the last time I took an under in a Butler game. That being last week, <laughs> I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. Why did I cry? Uh, because I had a best bet on Butler Seton Hall under. And that one, market steamed that baby over. They said, you know, you can take your your 3-0 and best bet record on the Dream Preview and you can shove it, old Brad Powers, because market disagreed with me and the end result was a big disagreement as well. Uh, I still lean under, and I actually lean Butler. I think we're buying Butler a little bit low. I got to think just a week ago prior to the Seton Hall game, Butler's probably laying points on the road or at least one or so. I mean, you got to respect the fact that, you know, the last two data points haven't been good, but I like to use overall season trends. Uh, just be, I like, I, I normally think 15 or 20 data points is better than two. So I, I think Butler's at at least its lowest it's been in at least a month as far as, uh, you know, the, the, what the market th- perceives Butler to be. 
So lean for me, Butler. But the, you know, I respect the, you bringing up uh, series trends. The fact that the, these two teams should be, you know, going back and forth. They've been the two best teams, arguably, in the Big East the last couple of years. The fact that Villanova's dominated—that's one thing. I just think Villanova's been re- relatively fortunate. Again, I, I mention this each and every podcast. I like to look at Kem Palm's luck rating, and a lot of it is what are your stats and your adjusted offensive and defensive. Uh, you know, ratings, your efficiency ratings, and what is your record and what should your record be. And Villanova was one of the most fortunate teams in the country. They're number six in luck. They're 5-0 and in games decided by six points or less. So I'm thinking Villanova's a little overrated. I certainly think they're overrated in the AP poll at number nine. I think a true power rating for Villanova's probably got them closer in that 15-20 to 20 range. So lean for me on Butler, lean on the under. Any closing thoughts? That's all I got. Sleepy, again, is going to have the closing thoughts. He likes. Guys, I like Butler tonight on the road. Typically, I don't like backing road teams, but I do like the points here tonight. This line has gone from Nova minus 2.5 to minus 4.5. That's enough for me to go ahead and jump on the upset-minded Bulldogs here on the road. Butler, they're coming off two losses in a row, and it's clear to me that Butler has had this game circled, and they've been looking ahead. Nova, they're coming off a tough win versus UConn in a game in which Villanova trailed for a large part of that game. I think we might get a tired Nova team or an overconfident Nova team as they've rattled off four straight wins in a row. This Butler defense is for real, guys, as they rank number five in the nation. That is elite. Nova, they rely on the three-point game, and they take a lot of threes. And if they aren't going down... They will be in trouble in this game. Butler, three-point defense, number 12 in the nation. I mean, that's top-notch, guys. Butler, far better in rebounds, and I expect them to actually control the glass in this game. Nova, number 235 in pace, and that in itself scares me away because they just don't run fast enough to get Butler moving its feet. I think the Bulldogs will be able to step up here and defend the three, and they will also control the glass. Low total, guys, so I'm buying Butler here. I like Butler plus the four and a half points. All right. That's Sleepy J with a like on the Butler Bulldogs. Let's keep it moving here. Florida in the SEC at LSU. LSU will projected a three-point home favorite, total 145. This is also Tuesday action. 7 o'clock tip time on the SEC network. AJ's got the strongest of the opinions here. You like LSU here. I do. Uh, I, I like the way LSU's been playing lately. These are two teams that both had high preseason expectations who have, you know, they started off slow, but they've shown some life lately. In LSU, they've won six straight games, Florida five and one in the last six. So they're both playing better basketball. LSU's offense is just so it's so strong. They're the fourth most efficient offense in the country. They maximize their possessions. They don't turn it over. They offensive rebound really well. Florida on the road is what worries me. Florida 1-3 and three straight up and against the spread in road games. Straight up losses at UConn and at Mizzou. Both those teams outside the top 75 in Kimpom. So I like LSU with the home the home court advantage here, given just three. Uh, I like LSU, and I actually lean to an over game. All right. I, I'm going to upgrade just so I can have some action here. You got to bet. Let's do it. I like right. We haven't had enough disagreement. I mean, that's been one of the complaints. Actually, we haven't had too many complaints. So, uh, you know, it's one, a product. Only best. when you lose best bets. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly one of the reasons why. But I just, you know, keep it friendly out there. Or at least keep it constructive, whether you like us or you don't. Uh, I got to like on Florida here. I'll upgrade. But number one for me is I think Florida's playing their best ball of the season. Certainly 
Uh, we were all on the Gators in that game, particularly Dave Esler, who won easily another best bet. We all liked Florida. They dominated, in our opinion, an overrated Auburn team. So kudos for them. Now, LSU, six straight wins, looks good. Kudos for them for not you know, losing one of those two road games against A&M and Old Miss. But I just think they've been extremely fortunate at LSU. Last four wins have come by a combined 11 points. 11 points, four wins. That's total. Sooner or later, I think that luck's going to run out on them. AJ's probably got the better handicap, but I got Florida with a better defense here. I'll take the Gators plus three. Any closing thoughts? No, I, I like that we got some action. I, I like to uh, I like when you disagree with me. It gives me a good feeling. Yeah, maybe I'll second guess myself when it's all said and done to upgrade it, but just remember this. And I'm going to show anybody out there that thinks for one second that maybe I'm second guessing myself that I am the greatest of all time forever and ever. Thanks, Rick. I'll try not to second guess myself upgrading that one. Let's move along to the Big Ten here. Number 21, Illinois at Purdue. I was thinking AJ might even come with the best bet because he loves Illinois, hates Purdue. That's right, AJ hates Purdue for you uh, Purdue do. graduates. Well, I mean, I won my best bet on this podcast with Illinois over Purdue at Illinois. Yeah, that was relatively easy, and that's going to factor into my really easy. That's going to factor into my handicap here. It'll be interesting to see what you think of it. We'll project Purdue to be six point home favorite. Total one twenty two. This is also a Tuesday game. Tips at 7 o'clock on ESPNU. I'll let you lead the way again, AJ. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two leans here. I, I lean on Illinois again, and I lean on the under. Purdue, they're 8-1 and one at home, 2-7 and seven away from home. So, obviously, the, the home court advantage is real with Purdue, uh, and we've talked about how real it is with the, uh, the Big Ten. Purdue's offense was just dead in the first matchup. One point in the first seven minutes of that game, five points in the last 12 minutes and 42 seconds of that game. So, I mean, they went on just long runs where they could do nothing. Purdue shot really poorly, but I really think there's fundamental matchup problems in this game for Purdue. Purdue is very effective at guarding the arc. Illinois, 13th in the conference in three-point attempts. They don't care. They're not looking to shoot the three. Uh, and, And Illinois defense has undergone a, a real fundamental change from last year, and this is kudos to Brad Underwood, who I think is one of the the more underrated coaches yep. in the country. Uh, they've they've gone away from what they were doing, and now they're playing more of a pack line defense. They're forcing much fewer turnovers due to this, but they're making teams shoot from outside, and that's obviously not ideal for a Purdue team that has one shooter in the whole on the whole roster. Stefanovic, who was two of five in the first matchup. The team was 3 of 17 from outside overall. So I'm, I'm starting to think more and more that the way that per, that Illinois plays is just a real bad matchup for Purdue because they don't have that Carson Edwards out there anymore. And that's starting to show more and more with Purdue as a problem. You get disagreement from me. And it's, you know, some of it I think... You've got, just, you're going to say revenge factor, aren't you? No, nah, it's not necessarily revenge. You know, I'm just doubting that, you know, you bring it up. I mean, if it happens again and Purdue has, you know, historically poor shooting performance, then I'm willing to say, yep, it's a matchup. But for right now, I'm just going to say that was a one-off performance where, you know, Purdue just didn't shoot well. And when you're hitting 25% from the field, just to put that in perspective, that was the lowest amount allowed in the history of Illinois basketball, 25%. So to me, generally speaking, I like to play outliers. What isn't an outlier, as we just got done saying at the top of the podcast, 
Big Ten home teams dominating. Why? There's not an elite team in these, uh, you know, you got a bunch of uh, teams that are right around the, the same from a power ratings aspect, and they can't overcome the, uh, the opposing home court here. So l- let's put the numbers on it. Big Ten home teams 41-7 and seven straight up and 66% against the spread, covering by about five points per game. So Purdue's the epitome of it. They're 3-0 and at home. They're 0-4 on the road in Big Ten play. Uh, this trend isn't slowing down. You would think it's starting to get overpriced in the marketplace. It's not Big Ten home teams. They've won eight of the last nine. They've covered seven of the last nine. And, you know, if I'm expecting a team to shoot poorly, it's actually Illinois, who's terrible. You mentioned it, what, why you lost your uh, total play on Illinois. They don't shoot the three very well at all, and they're coming off a game where they did, and yet Purdue defensively very good at defending the three. They're top ten in the country. So if there's one team that I do expect, statistically speaking, to shoot poorly, it's Illinois here. And Illinois has been fortunate. Three straight wins by four points or less. I lean with the Boilers here, but you just lean with Illinois, right? I just lean with the, – the only thing that's making this not a like for me is the home court advantage thing. Although, I mean, Illinois, they've got one of the better wins away from home in the Big Ten this year, that win at Wisconsin, yep. uh, 71-70 win. That's a, Wisconsin, one of the better home courts, I think, in the Big Ten, uh, right up there with Purdue and Rutgers. And so, that to me, that's a, that's a really big win for them. But, yeah, if it weren't for the home court trends, I would be all over Illinois here. Uh, and you're right, they're, they're not a good three-point shooting team, but they understand that, and that's just not the kind of the game they're looking to play. I, I think with you know with Coburn and Bazanishvili down low, teams are going to have to start being shooters. Uh, they're going to have to start figuring out how to shoot the ball over them, and, and I just don't know that Purdue's that team. Mm. I don't know that they can do it. It'll be interesting to see how the market treats this one, because to me, six. I mean, we're doing, you know, taking Sagarin, Kempom, which pretty much drive the market here. Be interested to see how the market handles it because there's a lot of anti-Purdue money uh, out there on Saturday in, in the there, Maryland. There game. is, so. but I don't. I don't think it'll have an effect here because that was that was anti-Purdue money on the on the road. I, I really think hmm. that the Big Ten home road splits are what's driving the market on these games more than anything. Because after that last game, I mean, imagine you get beat by 26 points. You score 37. Purdue scored 37 points in that first game against Illinois. And now they're they're going to be favored by six points. That's unbelievable. The only thing telling you why that's happening is the way these teams have played away from home. Fair enough. That's A.J. Hoffman. I'm Brad Powers. College Basketball Dream Preview. NBA play coming up here in a second from Mackenzie Rivers. Let's go to the Big 12 here. This is still Tuesday night action. We got number 18 Texas Tech playing a little, you know, better ball here last week at TCU. We'll project Texas Tech to be a two-point road favorite. Your total, 122. This one's 8 o'clock tip time on Tuesday on ESPN+. Plus. AJ, you like the Red Raiders here. Take it away. Yeah, yeah, I like them. This is probably the weakest of my likes, but I felt like I didn't have enough likes on the on the card, so I threw this one up as a like. Uh, TCU started out 3-0 in conference. They've lost the last two games by 26 points per game. They're 0-5 against the five highest-rated Ken Palm teams that they've faced. Uh, they got a home loss uh, versus Xavier. They took a, a three at the buzzer to send Iowa State to overtime, where they won, uh, or they'd have they'd be zero and six against the six top-rated teams. Texas Tech. This is just their fourth road game. They're one and two straight up, and against uh, and against the spread on the road. The losses: West Virginia. There's no no uh, no harm in that loss, and and DePaul when DePaul was playing really good ball. Uh, they had they re- their most recent home game was a blowout win against Kansas State. If the game is close. 
you do not want to bet on TCU. 334th in the country in free throw percentage. And Texas Tech still elite at turning teams over. TCU outside the top 200 in protecting the basketball. Not not protective of it at all. To, uh, they're turning it over more than, than most teams. And since Chris Beard has been in Lubbock, the Red Raiders, 5-0-1 against the spread in this matchup. So Chris Beard has a, a nice edge over what the Frogs are doing. So I'll like TCU, or I'll, excuse me, I'll like Texas Tech minus the two in this matchup on the road. Yeah, I'm similar boat. It's Texas Tech's my strongest lean, borderline like. I don't have probably enough likes here. So th- this one is a like for me. It's not a like-like, but a like on Texas Tech minus the two. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't like the trend line for TCU. Usually when I don't like the trend line, I say, oh, market will throw that team in the trash, that being TCU here. But, man, once you start hitting conference play and you got two miserable performances, I'm wondering if you're really good. I like your stat, AJ, on the 0-5 against the top five Kempom teams that TCU's faced. I like that a lot. Texas Tech, like Virginia earlier this season, you got your two national championship uh, teams in there that played uh, for the, in the championship game, overrated. Lost a lot of talent from that team. Uh, three and nine stretch they had against the spread, but they're starting to figure things out. And, and Chris Beard, uh, I think, is an elite coach. I really do. And they're playing, they're coming off their two best performances of the season. You also touched on the, the free throw percentage if it's a close game. TCU's horrible, bottom 20 in, in the country, in the entire country out of 353 teams in free throw. Like for me on Texas Tech. Any closing thoughts? That's all I got. All right, we're going to stay with Tuesday action, but we're going to throw it over to the NBA on Tuesday. Mackenzie Rivers, NBA best bet is? The Clippers. It's tomorrow night at Dallas. I'm not sure what the line is yet. Coming from their last game against each other, I'm guessing it's going to be about a pick em. Mavericks upgraded a little bit since then. And they've no doubt been on fire. Luka Doncic is probably the most improved player I've ever seen one year from another. He was already a top 10 player at 21. That's like LeBron-like. But that it fits right into the Clippers' wheelhouse because they got the two best, on, for my money, premier on-ball defenders on the same team. And what's beautiful about it is when they stick one of their best defenders on you, their other one's free there to play free safety. So if you look at the games the Clippers have played against teams that have one of the top 10 usage players, they are 8-1 ATS. And I say one because the exception proves the rule. When they play the Rockets, who have two of the top 10 usage players in Westbrook and Harden, they're 0-3. But when they play the Bucks, for example, or the Lakers that have one guy to stop, they're 8-1 ATS plus 14 against the number over those games. Kawhi or Paul George will pick up Luka. The other one can play free safety, cause havoc, and it's going to be an easy game just like it was last time down in Dallas. I think if you want to get fancy, Clippers minus 4.5 plus money looks really good to me. This is my best bet. Clippers estimated about pick'em. That's Mackenzie Rivers in the NBA. Yo, homeboy! Welcome to the hood, brother! Welcome to the best bet action. Hopefully you can handle it, Mackenzie. I'll try my best. All right. If I can keep half of Dave Esler's winning percentage, I'll be pretty happy. (laughs) There you go. All right, let's move to Wednesday. And guys, check out this Wednesday card. We got a best bet from A.J. Hoffman, a best bet from Sleepy J, a best bet from Dave Esler, and a best bet from me all Wednesday night action four best bets on the card but first let's go right back to the big 10 and a game that's going to feature a pair of ranked teams here number 24 rutgers at number 19 iowa will project iowa six point home favorite total 140 
I got the stronger of the opinions here. I like the under here. So first off, the matchup here that everyone's going to be watching is an elite Iowa offense, number two right now in adjusted offense per Ken Palm against a top 10 Rutgers defense. Rutgers, unbelievable. I would say one of the worst major conference teams in the last 10, 15 years. Here's a team that even hasn't even had a winning record since 2006, and yet here we are. Rutgers has covered 10 games in a row, 10 games in a row. So to me, it's probably going to get to the point where Rutgers is going to be expensive. So I'm looking to find other value. Also in that streak, Rutgers, and this won't be paid attention to enough, I think, in the marketplace, is how they've been doing it, elite defense. Seven straight unders during that 10-game cover streak for them. They've won Rutgers eight of their last nine games, only lost by three at Illinois. That's very respectable. But I'm not necessarily a big fan of Rutgers offensively. Number 306 in three-point percentage. Number 331 in free throw percentage. This will be a relatively close game. Uh, you know, that's what the line is saying here. I don't think that travels well on the road, three-point and free-throw shooting for Rutgers. But I do like their defense here to at least slow down Iowa. I like the under here. We'll project it to be 140, under 140 Rutgers-Iowa. What say you, AJ? Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I, I, you know, I'll actually like the under with it as well. I lean to Iowa uh, with the spread, which we've got projected at six, but – you make some good points there, and another thing, when, when part of my handicap was, for this game was looking at the Iowa Maryland game because, really, the way you the way Maryland and Rutgers are built is very similar. They're they're defense heavy teams. They rebound well, not great offensively, not very not a lot of shooting. Uh, Maryland a little bit better offensively than Rutgers, so better overall. But they're they're built quite similarly, and I look back at the Maryland Iowa game and. Maryland just couldn't get anything going in that game at Iowa. 49-67 was the final. So even if you know, even if Rutgers does play a little bit better on offense than than uh, Maryland did, which again I I think Maryland's the better offense. I think that you're still going to have a hard time getting to that mm-hmm. 140 number. So uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and like that with you and and lean to Iowa covering this thing. Got some more on this game. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean some of the reasons why I was looking at it. Uh, and some of the, the things that are that are making it a lean for me, Rutgers 5-2 and two against the spread against Iowa since joining the Big Ten, they, and they've won two of the last three straight yep. up. And you mentioned this hasn't been a very good program, yet they've won two of the last three against Iowa. Uh, but Rutgers 1-3 and three straight up on the road. That said, they're 3-1 and one against the spread on the road. So a lot of these Big Ten teams, they're, they're having trouble. With, yeah, they're having trouble with, this, with uh, winning games and covering the spread. Rutgers is at least covering the spread on these things. Um, Iowa 8-1 and one straight up at home, 7-2 and two against the spread. The only win they didn't cover was a 15-point win over North Florida. That, they, that the, the spread was 15.5, so they missed by a half point. Otherwise, they'd be 8-1 and one straight up and against the spread. Uh, and Iowa won their three home conference games by 15 points per game uh, against Northwestern, Michigan, and Minnesota. Rutgers... 331st in free throws, 318th in three-point percentage. It, it's hard to expect a team to cover on the road without hitting free throws or threes, but it's even harder to expect them to break 140 with those numbers. So, again, I'm going to like that that under with you, and I'm going to lean to Iowa. Yeah, one more thing on the under for me. Iowa playing well, 7-2 and two straight up and, and against the spread their last nine. Again, my case is college basketball market's slow, much slower than, than an NFL or college football market as far as adjusting. 
If it's going to adjust, though, the, the side will adjust much quicker than a total. So in that nine-game stretch at Iowa has been relatively good. Under has been cashing as well, just like the under has been cashing in Rutgers' uh, stretch here over the last seven, eight games. So under for me. And, and just, to, you know, I'll point that out because I'll give an example. A couple years ago, Duke, this was in like February, and Duke's probably the, the most – high-profile team in college basketball. If there's anything that the market's going to, you know, attack or at least over-adjust to, it would be Duke. And they switched to, like, a zone defense. This is, I think, two years ago. And you, and as soon as they switched to zone defense, they had a couple of elite performances. You cashed the under, like, four or five straight games by, like, 15, 20 points per game. Uh, and it took the market about five or six games to properly adjust on Duke. We're talking Rutgers and Iowa here. So j- just put that in perspective. Right. All right, let's move along, and this will be the first of four. That's right, four best bets on Wednesday night. Big night here for the Dream Preview. And it uh, looks like first on deck, old Brad Powers. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. And again, we are staying in the Big Ten here. Penn State and Michigan will project Michigan a four-point home favorite, total 148. This is Wednesday action, 7 o'clock tip time on uh, the Big Ten Network. Best bet for me, Michigan. Michigan minus the four. It's good for me all the way up to six, so anything six or less. Best bet, Michigan for me. What am I seeing with Michigan? Well, number one, I think they probably got a little overrated in the marketplace after they started 7-0. and they had those high. They won that you know tournament down there on the Bahamas where they beat Gonzaga. They have you know wins over Creighton, North Carolina at the time was well thought of. They were healthy with Cole Anthony, and then they got a little overpriced in the marketplace. They're four and six Michigan since, but all six. It's not like they got a bunch of bad losses. All six of those teams are in the top forty. Michigan's played a the fourth toughest schedule in the entire country, and I'll give them an excuse here at least lately. And they're two and three in their last five games. Why? One of their key forwards, uh, Isaiah Livers, 6'7, 230, averages about 14 points per game. He's been out with a groin injury. And, and reading the tea leaves, he was close to coming back on Friday against Iowa. And th- there's a good possibility they could get him back here. I think it's huge. I think he's worth about two, three points a line. I don't think the market will properly price that in. So I think this could be a Michigan team that not only could cover this game, but could go back on a run where they're, you know, there's some value on Michigan the next three, four games here after this four and six slump they've been under. Just to me, uh, feels like a good spot for Michigan. I mean, they've been struggling. They're at home. We've talked about the Big Ten home team dominance. Penn State, meanwhile, was struggling, but got arguably their best performance of the entire season last Saturday in a blowout win over Ohio State. I'll fade that best performance of the season. Give me Michigan, best bet, minus four. It's good up to six for me. What say you, AJ? Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I like Michigan as well. Michigan's won 13 of the last 15 in this series uh, and 10-5 and five against the spread in that time. Penn State, I, we, we talked earlier about the teams that we don't think are going to end up making it. Penn State's one of the teams I don't think ends up making it. I, I mm. think that they've had a nice start to the season. I think they fall off by the end of this season. Uh, Penn State hasn't won a game at Michigan since 2010, and Penn State, another one of these teams, 0-3 on the road in conference play, the average loss by 16 points per game. And Penn State got a little expensive with their hot start. They covered three of the last 10 now. 
Uh, and like you said, this the season was getting away from them before beating Ohio State this weekend. You know, like most Big Ten teams, the home aways, you know, factored heavily into Michigan as well. They're two and four in conference, two and zero oh at home, zero oh and four on the road. They're going to be glad to be back home. Penn State, the better rebounding team, but Michigan, a much better shooting team. And, and obviously, the home rims will do them some some. Uh, it, it, will, it will do them some good. So I'm going to go Michigan minus four as well as a like for me. All right, agreement. I like it. Of course, I I more than like it. I got a best bet, Michigan. Before, before we talk Providence Seton Hall, let me slip in another best bet here. Let's go with Uncle Dave's best bet. Now, Dave Essler's been winning since Moses was in short pants. We like to say it here, and he's been winning, certainly, to start off the dream preview as far as the college basketball goes. Perfect 5-0 and on best bets. So he's red hot, on fire. Dave. SEC action. Take it away, Dave. College basketball Wednesday night. I am betting Mississippi State over Arkansas. I project that line to be about minus two. Uh, Anything uh, possession or less is perfectly fine. I'm going to call Arkansas pseudo pretenders. I know they think the officials in the Kentucky game didn't do well by them. The fact is they lost, and they've lost to both top 40 teams they faced and lost at Western Kentucky. They just haven't proven they belong as serious contenders in the SEC and, in fact, have played the easiest conference schedule through five games. Mississippi State's playing well right now. After they were smoked in Tuscaloosa, they only lost by one at LSU, destroyed Georgia and Missouri, and they've been at home for over a week. On paper, Mississippi State has the number one three-point defense of the SEC, which is where Arkansas likes to play offense. The Bulldogs like to play offense under the basket, and they've got a massive length advantage, and in SEC play, they're a 77% free-throw shooting team. The Bulldogs have lost just five home games in two years. Number six is not happening Wednesday. I am betting on Mississippi State over Arkansas. All right, that's the red hot in fuego. Diamond, we should call him Diamond Dave, Esther. That's what RJ wants to call him, (laughs) Diamond Dave with a best bet on Mississippi State. All right, let's move along to the Big East. Speaking of on fire, this might be the hottest team in the country outside of maybe Baylor, who's now number one. Providence at number 10, Seton Hall. Seton Hall, a 12-point home favorite, total 136. You know what? I was intrigued that A.J. included this one. I want to hear his handicap here because this one a little bit surprised me who included this one. What say you, A.J.? Well, I, uh, I, you know me, I, I've been big on Seton Hall. I like that Seton Hall team quite a bit, and I've been, you know, I've been singing their praises, and and rightfully so. They, they've kind of done a, a really good job uh, of making me look smart. Uh, so that's why I, you're including to, them. You just, uh, well, you know, full disclosure. To brag? I, well, no, no, not that. I've, I'm also I'm following them very closely. I'll, I also have a hundred to one uh, futures mm. on them, so I'm they're they're important to me right now. But I also thought that this game was interesting because, and I did have a, a, a like on it, but Providence, I think, playing better ball. They started the season 3-9 and nine against the spread, 5-2 and two since. They're 3-0 and oh against the spread on the road in conference, including straight-up wins at DePaul and at Marquette. So I think that maybe we're, we're going to see Providence as one of these teams that, that their game does travel well. Hall. 13 and 5 against the spread obviously and they may be getting expensive yep. but they failed to cover just once at home this season and they just failed to cover for the first time 
in their current eight-game win streak against St. John's. So uh, the, the price may be starting to catch up with them. Seton Hall allows 65 points per game. In home games, they allow just 59 points per game. Providence has scored under 65 seven times this season. Five of those games were away from home, so the like for me is the under 137. I lean Providence as well because I do think it's a, a you know with a low scoring game. I think that we're going to, uh, to to see this one a little bit closer, probably within double digits. But uh, but I like the under 137 here with Seton Hall and Providence. Yeah, you're not going to disagree with me because I do worry about Providence, uh, you know, being effective offensively against that Seton Hall defense. Uh, but yeah, I I think that the value for me at least I'm leaning Providence on, on the side catching the, the the double digits here. You know, Seton Hall there's been value on Seton Hall. I mean, obviously they they'd won set uh, they've won eight straight now. They had seven straight covers, and I go back to that game on Saturday. They're laying what minus five at St. John's. To me, that felt the first time during this streak that Seton Hall felt a little expensive, like you were paying an extra point or so a premium. The word has gotten out on how good this Seton Hall team is. Makes sense. They're off, arguably, you know, heading into Saturday's game off their most high-profile game, uh, a big win on the road at Butler. Uh, so, little expensive, and I think they're going to stay expensive here. The fact that they're now in the top ten in the AP poll, so. Lean for me is going to be on Providence. You mentioned it after a brutal stretch where they didn't cover seven straight. There's been value on Providence. I lean with the Friars here plus the 12. Any closing thoughts? That's all I got, man. All right. Let's get to, before we get to you, AJ, because everyone's waiting for that. Let's go to another best bet here. Let's go to Sleepy J. I already gave you a total on Tuesday. Sleepy's best bet. All right, guys. My best bet side for this podcast, Virginia Tech. My buy price is all the way up to minus 13.5. I think this line comes out in that 9-10 area, but my buy price will be minus 13.5 on the Hokies. Guys, North Carolina, they absolutely stink. They literally have no point guard right now, and this team, they look like the bad news bears. Yes, North Carolina, they can rebound the basketball, but that's about all that that team can do well right now. That's not going to get it done on the road again. Tar Heels, they're off a road loss to Pittsburgh in a game where the Panthers absolutely dominated the Tar Heels. It's going to happen again, guys. The things that Virginia Tech is slightly below average at, North Carolina stat-wise, well, they're going to kind of hand the Hokies on a silver platter, you know, improvement in those areas. Guys, check out these stats. I've never seen this before from North Carolina. UNC, number 330 in field goal percentage, number 324, three-point percentage, number 292 in turnover margin, number 255 in steals, 315 in free throw percentage, and number 231 in scoring offense, not to mention number 240 in three-point defense. I've never seen numbers that bad associated with any Tar Heels team ever. Virginia Tech... Well, they're off a home loss to Syracuse, and you know that they're going to come into this game salty. Even though it's a bad UNC team, Virginia Tech knows that a big blowout win versus the Tar Heels will always look good on paper no matter how bad North Carolina actually is. So Virginia Tech, I think they're coming for blood tonight in this game, guys. Virginia Tech, they don't beat themselves. They're number one in turnovers per game, and they do all the little things right. UNC They need every turnover that they can possibly get, and I don't think they're going to end up getting them here. Virginia Tech, excellent at assisting the basketball. And Virginia Tech, number five, at not putting teams on the line. Virginia Tech, guys, I think they are going to absolutely torch North Carolina at the three-point line tonight. 
and it's a complete mismatch in that area. My gut says Virginia Tech wins every area tonight and even in the rebound battle. Tar Heels, guys, they're just a bad team. If you haven't seen them, you should probably try to watch them, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Virginia Tech, guys, they route North Carolina tonight. Play this one all the way up to minus 13 and a half. All right, Sleepy Jay going with the Hokies over the cold, and I mean cold, North Carolina Tar Heels. They're a disaster. I I, I gave some serious consideration to uh, Virginia Tech for this podcast as well. I, I, I'm i with Sleepy on that. I don't know how you can bet on North Carolina right you now. You can't. You just can't until Cole, Cole Anthony comes back, and even then. I don't know if he's coming back. Really? And I wouldn't uh, honestly. I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. What's the What's the point in coming back? Yeah, going to be a losing season. You, it looks like for North Carolina. Right. You, they were the NIT favorite. They're not even getting to the NIT, folks. Yeah, you, you're going to come back and not go to the tournament. That sounds like a lot of fun. Pass. Mm. I well, what you didn't pass on is the next game, AJ, and it is your one and only best bet. SEC action Wednesday night. We got the Crimson Tide of Alabama taking on Vanderbilt, and you're on the total here, AJ. Take it away. Yeah, my best bet is going to be under 162 is what we've got to project it at. Uh, I'd play it down to 159. Uh, listen, this is this is the tough part. Vanderbilt is awful on defense, and Bama plays really, really fast. So if you play this under, you have to assume that when you do it, Alabama is going to get their points. That's going to happen. My my bet is on Vanderbilt not getting theirs. They've got no offense without Aaron Neesmith. They lost the, the SEC's leading score uh, three games ago. And those three games without him, they've taken 25 threes per game, which that's how many they were taking with him. Uh, they've made 10. That's good for 13%. 10 out of 75 three-pointers they've made since he's been out. It's been their three lowest scoring games of the season, the three games without him. Here's the uh, the SEC ranks for Vanderbilt so far. They've played four SEC games. Most of the SEC teams have played four games. So through four games, here are their rankings. Offensive efficiency, 14th out of 14. Average possession length, 14th. Effective field goal percentage, 14th. Turnover percentage, 13th. Oh, kudos. Offensive rebounding percentage, 13th. Three-point percentage, 14th. Two-point percentage, 10th. Free throw percentage, 10th. Non-steal turnovers, so offensive fouls, travels, things like that, 14th. This offense is gross without Aaron Neesmith. I don't know. I mean, this is a this was a bad SEC team to begin with, with that player. Now he's gone. I don't know what they do. I think the tide's going to roll here, and I, I'm going to lean Bama minus 9 too. My the reason it's not a like is because Bama's not been really great on the on the road, and honestly, some of their their worst offensive performances have come on the road, which get, made me even feel better about playing the under here as my best bet. So my best bet under one sixty two Alabama Vanderbilt. Let's put some numbers to Vanderbilt's uh, poor shooting, especially last game against Tennessee on Saturday night. <laughs> Vanderbilt had zero hit a, is the number yeah. you need to know. Vanderbilt had played one thousand. And 80 games, so more than 1,000, 1,080 consecutive games, making at least one three-pointer. Well, that didn't happen on Saturday night. They went 0 for 25. And what uh, this is according to ESPN Stats and Info, 
It was one of the worst three-point shooting performances by any Division I team in the last 20 years. There's only been one team with a worse performance than Vanderbilt. So we're talking, what are we talking, 30,000 games plus probably? Northwestern State in 2012 in a game. Northwestern State went 0 for 26. Not Northwestern, Northwestern State. You know what, AJ, normally I would say, eh, let's go over after, you know, historically poor. But I think you bring it up. When you lose your, your lead dog, and it's just not one game, it, it's your worst three. When there's been a fundamental change in the lineup, it probably doesn't get any better. That's what I like there on your handicap there. Well, but, and, go ahead. And honestly, Saban Lee, who who was there, he's, he's their second leading scorer, he's been less effective without Neesmith on the floor. So, I, I mean, that's the problem. When you take away a guy like that, who, who takes away so much defensive, uh, you know, he, he's got everybody looking at him. Now the pressure suddenly on these secondary guys is way more than it was before because Aaron Neesmith's not drawing double teams. You know, they're, they're not shading guys out to, to make sure he doesn't hit threes. Where, where, by the way, he was 52.2% from three. Ridiculous how good he was playing. So I, I just don't see how this offense improves. I, I think it's going to be a disaster for the rest of the season, and it's going to take a little bit of time for the market to totally adjust to it. But, I mean, when, just think about what they've been doing their last few games. I mean, we we thought of Texas A&M coming into this game as – or coming into their game with Vanderbilt as, as a team that wasn't very good in, in the SEC, and they were able to put 50 points up. Uh, on, on Texas A&M, they lost, but they lost by 19 points to Texas A&M in their house. Uh, and then Tennessee, who Tennessee, another team that went into the toilet after they lost their best player in Lamont Turner, they lost by 21 to Tennessee in their house. I mean, they just they are not competitive. I think that sort of the air went out of their balloon when Neesmith got hurt. I think they felt like, oh, maybe we're pretty decent here. Maybe we're okay. They had some decent wins early in the in the uh, the non-conference season. A win against Buffalo, which was probably good. A win against Austin P, who may be the the OVC representative in the tournament. A win against Davidson. They're feeling good about themselves. Played Auburn really close. That was Aaron Neesmith's last game at Auburn, where they lost 83-79. After since then, it's just been disastrous. 20 points per game. Uh, they've lost those three games by, and the offense has just been nothing so I, I don't I don't see what they I don't know what they can do to fix this you can't replace a guy like that especially at a school like Vanderbilt where you you get a guy like that once every seven eight years that they don't have another one no and they lost another key high high uh, draft guy to the draft last year so yep. they're <laughs> 22 consecutive losses for Vanderbilt in conference play looking at it here this is even more remarkable Vanderbilt had never like since the three-point Shot was introduced in the 86-87 season. They had made at least a three in every single game since the three-point shot was... Wow. There's only two other teams left that have made at least one three-pointer in every single game since it was introduced thirty, you know, 35 years ago, UNLV and Princeton. Vanderbilt was wow. the third. So that, Wow, that's remarkable. A.J. Hoffman, you can follow him on Twitter, at A.J. is the real, again, best bet for him is Vanderbilt and Alabama under the total under 162. You like it to 159. Uh, Dave Esler's best bet, Mississippi State. Sleepy's best bet, Virginia Tech. Brad Power's best bet, Michigan. To recap it, all Wednesday action. McKenzie, you are on in the NBA on Tuesday night. The Clippers. Clippers for him. Projected line right around pick. 
Any closing thoughts here on the Dream uh, That's preview? That's all I got, my man. All right. All again, I got. That is AJ Hoffman for Mackenzie Rivers. For Matt Christensen, I'm Brad Powers. They will be talking to you as we near the weekend on Friday, previewing the upcoming biggest games of the week for we're a weekend where basketball is finally going to come to the forefront because there are no football games other than the Pro Bowl. That'll do it. I'll touch you guys down the line. Take care. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.